from what time? Oh, cool. From one to four, if you haven't put your order in, do that today. Uh, how many made an order from Angel Food last time and you still haven't used all your food? It's lasting, and that's, that's neat. That's cool. And uh, so we're going to have our business meeting tonight need everybody to be here five o'clock we'll uh, have worship and praise and then just open up the floor for a business meeting and our concerns today and uh, what we want to see our church become you have things on your heart I'll just uh, tell you from my heart I don't know the direction this meeting's going to go uh, some of you have things that you'd like to discuss in a, in a business meeting setting and you're welcome to do that we want all things to be done decently and in order that's the only request and uh, we're going to believe that God will do that and uh, so I'm just putting it in God's hands I believe it's time for us to have a business meeting and uh, move forward in what God is doing and get some vision for what God wants to do okay with that so five o'clock tonight and uh, I didn't put this in the order that I wanted it. God put Acts chapter 11 where he wanted it. Called us to a business meeting tonight. And uh, so don't take any, any offense or think that I'm pointing fingers at anybody or anything. So I don't know if you, you might get that out of this text. Acts chapter 11. We're going to deal with this whole chapter. And uh, keep moving through the, the book of Acts to see the church and what it's supposed to look like. We've been looking at the church in the book of Acts to see what it's supposed to look like. I think that's the perfect place to find a picture of the church. Because the church is the core, is the key in the book of Acts. The whole book is about what the church is doing. This organism that God planted and said, gather together, stay there until you're filled with power from on high. Then go out and carry the gospel from the church and everything we're seeing up to this point and and we'll see further that God's church is the core everything happens through the church and from the church Jesus is the head of the church and we are his body to do his will so what did you think we'd see when you thought oh, the preachers gonna go through the book of Acts it's kind of a long book it's probably gonna take him a while well, you got that right. <laughs> Stick with me. We've been looking at this. What did you think we'd see? Did you imagine that we would see a spirit-filled business meeting? I never in my wildest imagination believed that we would see in the Bible, in the book of Acts, a spirit-filled business meeting. Maybe I'm just tainted. I've been through one too many business meetings where it was dry, boring, complainers, uh, uh, wet blankets and the like but God's will is not that way is it when God has a business meeting he thinks it's okay to have a spirit filled business meeting and pour out the spirit that's what happened when I preached about the business meeting in Acts chapter 1 people got filled with the spirit today that day in the church did you think in the church in the book of Acts we would see a church with hypocrites in it a church with scandal in it Man, I didn't want to see that. But God doesn't hide the skeletons in the closet. They're out in the open. Jesus said everything's going to be shouted from the rooftop. If you think you're hiding from God, you're not. And Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 tried to hide from God. They were hypocrites. They caused a scandal in the church. But guess what? God's church was not torn to pieces. God's church did not fail. God's church moves forward. And we still see the church in the book of Acts. A church that continually, we've seen it over and over, it's a church that refuses to stop growing. Some of you are surprised to see that. The church refuses to stop growing. There are people in the pews, not in this church, but in other churches. And I believe that. I, when I say that, I mean every word of that. Other churches, I've seen... Their churches that they refuse to stop. They refuse to grow. But the church that God planted, the church that God wants, refuses to stop growing. 
Don't refuse to grow because this is how God's planned it. And I've been surprised that God's way is not my way. Imagine that. Go ahead and confess it. We've been surprised that God's way is not our way. In the church in the book of Acts, we've journeyed through these chapters. And hopefully you've seen a different view of what God wants you to do in His church. So begin with me in Acts chapter 11. And I want you to hold your place right there. But you can... But I'm going to read from the message for the text, and then we'll break the text down in an, in an exposition of the scriptures from the text that you hold in front of you in your Bible. The Bible says this, The news traveled fast, and in no time the leaders and friends back in Jerusalem heard about it, heard that the non-Jewish, quote, outsiders were now in when Peter got back to Jerusalem, some of the old associates concerned about circumcision called him on the carpet. What do you think you're doing rubbing shoulders with that crowd, eating what is prohibited, and ruining our good name? Ruining our good name. That's how some people see what the church is all about. Let's don't look at the church that way. But let's look at the church in the book of Acts and see how we can overcome criticism. Let's look at the criticism in, in uh, Acts chapter 11. There is criticism here. And here's the accusation. Luke says that these believers back in Jerusalem, when Peter finally got back there, they weren't going to let him get away with this. They contended with him. They had a dispute with him, with those circumcised believers. They criticized him. Don't you hate criticism? I do. I'm a positive person. I try not to tear people down. I try to tear, build people up. You can't tear people up, can you? Well, you can. That's what criticism does. Tears them down and tears them up. Up and down. I like to be complimented, not criticized. I'm very sensitive. Very sensitive. I need to hear that I'm doing a good job. I need to know. I like... I like compliments. I don't deal well with criticism. I take it personally. That's what criticism is. It's personal. Who likes to be criticized? No hands? Why? Oh, Michael likes to be criticized. Oh, constructive criticism. We're not dealing with that. We're talking about tearing you up and tearing you down. You still want to raise your hand? Hey, these people can do it. They'll give it to you. We don't want to do that, do we? These people said, you just wait till Peter gets back here. We know what he's been up to over there at Cornelius' house, staying at, in Joppa at that Tanner's house. That guy touches dead bodies. How dare he? We're circumcised people. We're set apart people. We're holy people. How dare Peter do these things to tear down our good name? That's what they said. They were criticizing. Criticizing the work of God. So they had an accusation. They said, you entered an uncircumcised man's house? Can you believe Peter went into the house of a person who wasn't circumcised? The end of the world, right? And isn't that what criticism really boils down to? Nitpicking at little things that you're not any better, so quit pointing at me. If you get it perfect, then you can come and tell me how to get it perfect. Complaining, criticizing. They said, not only did you go into his house, that was bad enough, but you went to the next level. Oh, no. You ate a meal with him. Not in the other room. That maybe we could deal with. But you were right there with these uns. Uncircum I can't even say it. Uncircumcised. You ate with them. Did they wash their hands? Tell me the truth now. Because that's important. All criticism. Oh, it boils down to really important stuff, doesn't it? That's what they were worried about. They criticized Peter when they went through the fields with Jesus when he was alive. And they were pulling off pods 
uh, maybe kernels of corn or wheat or whatever the grain was, and they cracked it open and popped it in and spit out this out the shell, and they were having a you know just having a nice time. And the Pharisees said, "How dare you eat without washing your hands? Crime of all crimes, criticism." Jesus said, "Get off my back." We're hungry. We're going through the field. God gave it here, and we're just going to take a little bit of it. No problem. God's not worried about it. Get over yourself. They had an accusation. They contended with him. Look at Peter's defense. Now, I want to read to you from the message. The message is a paraphrase that I, I encourage you, if you want to get a new Bible, the message paraphrase is a great Bible for you to do your daily Bible reading with. Not necessarily a good Bible to study, not really one that you would necessarily want to bring to church with you. The message is today's language. It just says what God says in your language. It just puts it into modern, everyday language. This is how you would say it. And so verses 4 through 6 say this. So Peter, starting from the beginning, this is his defense. He laid it out for them step by step. Quote, Recently I was in the town of Joppa praying. I fell into a trance and saw a vision, something like a huge blanket lowered by ropes at its four corners, came down out of heaven and settled on the ground in front of me. Milling around on the blanket were farm animals, wild animals, reptiles, birds, you name it. It was there. Fascinated, I took it all in. Then I heard a voice. Go to it, Peter. Kill and eat, I said. No, no, master. I've never so much as tasted food that wasn't kosher. The voice spoke again. If God says it's okay, it's okay. This happened to me three times. Then the blanket was pulled back up into the sky. Just then three men showed up at the house where I was staying, sent from Caesarea to get me. The Spirit told me to go with them. No questions asked. So I went with them. I and six friends to the man who had sent for me. He told us how he had seen an angel right in his own house, real as his next-door neighbor, saying, Send to Joppa and get Simon, the one they call Peter. Tell him he'll tell you something that will save your life, in fact, and everyone you care for. So I started in talking. Before I had spoken half a dozen sentences, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as he did on us the first time. I remember Jesus' words, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I ask you, if God gave the same exact gift to them as to us when we believed in the Master Jesus Christ, how could I object to God? Okay, so here's the criticism. They've accused Peter of high crimes. So what do you do when you're criticized? What's our defense when we're called on the carpet for having a celebration in the church on Halloween? Or Super Bowl Day? <laughs> or Daytona 500 Day, the best holiday in the world? And I got a witness out there? Okay, I got a few. You're with me. You know what we do? We just tell the truth. We don't need to we don't need to fix up the story. Peter didn't he may have been tempted to say, I got a cover for myself. I'm on the carpet here. These guys are these guys could make it bad hard on me in the church. I'm supposed to be the representative of the church. They've called me on the carpet. I better say something that'll get me out of trouble. But Peter just says, You know what? I'll just tell you what happened. I'm just gonna tell you the truth. Maybe he said, okay, guys, I'm not lying this time. He said, look, I was praying. That's what I was doing. I was praying. Can't fault me for that, can you? Look at the facts. Here's his defense. I saw a vision. Can't argue with that. I saw a vision. I just know. That's what I saw. Maybe nobody else saw it. I saw it. I saw a vision, and guess what? I heard a voice. I heard a voice, and I th it was out of heaven. The Spirit told me these things. The Spirit said, go. And Peter has with him, as you see in, in the text in front of you, he says, uh, verse 12, The Spirit told me, have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers... 
they've went with Peter. They evidently were with Peter in Joppa when he was doing his ministry that we preached about last week, laying hands on the sick, raising the dead. There were people who were from the church in Jerusalem who were, who were going with him. He had his entourage. And he says, when we went to Cornelius' house in Caesarea, this uncircumcised man, these guys went with me. They were there too. It's okay if you got some accomplices. That kind of helps you out. Okay. He's telling the truth, though. He's saying, look, these guys went with me. He said, I, the man told us I saw an angel. Hey, I believe in angels. Do you believe in angels? He's just telling his story. He's not making anything up here. He's telling it how it happens. He says, look, this is what happened. When he said this and this happened, they were filled with the Holy Spirit I remembered the word of the Lord. Are you going to argue with Jesus? I'm going to bring Jesus into this conversation. I'm going to put Jesus on my side in my defense. I remembered what Jesus said. John baptizes you with water. Hopefully all those disciples had been baptized. Maybe that was a, a, a word of encouragement to them. John baptized you with water. But in a few days, Jesus told us, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized with the Spirit. That means immersed. Just like in water baptism, you go under the water and come back up. Jesus said in a few days, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's going to come over you. You're going to be drenched in Him. You're going to be covered and filled to overflowing with Him. He said, that when they were filled with the Spirit, it reminded me, Jesus said this would happen. He told it to us. Did He mean it just for us? Here's a great defense for this ongoing gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter said, we were the ones who heard him say it, but we're not the only ones who get filled with the Spirit. It's for you, for all who are saved, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, you and your children and all, the Bible says, who are far off. I'm a long ways from Jesus. I'm a long ways from Jerusalem. I'm a long ways from Peter and his defense before the council at Jerusalem. And I've been filled with the Spirit because the promise of God is yes. And you betcha. It's amen. It means I believe it. I take it. I accept it. It's a gift. Do you want it? You can have it. God's not a respecter of persons. He's, he's just waiting for you to call on him. If you're saved, you can be filled with the Spirit. Peter said, I'm not going to argue with God. If God gave the gift, I didn't give him the gift. I was preaching away and they interrupted my sermon. Don't get any ideas. Unless the Spirit's baptizing in the Holy Spirit, I don't really want to be interrupted. Unless God's given you a word that needs to be said above my word that God's given me, don't interrupt the preacher. Peter said... God gave him the gift. Who am I to argue with God? Who am I to oppose God? I could have stood up there and said, huh, wait a minute, God, you don't realize who you're giving your gift to. That's Peter's defense. Did you really want me to do that? Are you so high and holy over me, putting me on the carpet here, putting me in the, in the, in the stand and judging over me, saying, how dare I do this? Well, look. God did this. You want to have an argument? Put him on the stand. Jesus is already my witness. Now you want to put God up there? Because I don't. Who was I to oppose God? Who was I to withstand God? Look at the next verse, verse 18 from the message. You're two slides behind me. There you go. So here's the criticism. These people criticizing Peter, then what happens? Peter just gave his defense, and the Bible says, hearing it all laid out like that, they quieted down. And then as it sank in, they started praising God. It's really happened. God has broken through to the other nations. Open them up to life. Okay, so critics are in the church. There is criticism in the church. What do we do? We just tell our story. We just give our defense, truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Let's just do whatever God lays in front of us. People are going to say, how dare you as a church do what you've done? And we just say, look, we know what God told us. Maybe an angel 
spoke to us. The Spirit told us. Jesus himself and his word reminds us of these things. So we just did it. We're not going to oppose God. If you got a problem with that, that's your problem. What happens in the church is criticism is silenced. The Bible says they heard these things. So what's their verdict? They heard these things. Here's my caution to you as a church. When we're tempted to criticize, let's listen. Let's listen first. What does James say? Be swift to hear. That's quick to hear. Most of us aren't quick to hear, are we? Most of you men, in answer to your wife's question, say, Huh? What, dear? Sorry, I didn't hear you. No, I didn't hear the baby crying. <laughs> of course, I don't know. Hear. They heard this. They heard the truth. What does the Bible say? Whoever has ears to hear. You got ears? Do you hear? People come to church and they sit in the pews and it just washes over them. And I don't know if they've just got a shield on, a waterproof suit, but it doesn't soak in. Put your raincoat away. Let it soak you. That's what God desires. He wants you drenched in Him. Whoever has ears to hear, it's an indictment. You've got ears. That's what God's saying. Now listen. Use them. How many ears do you have compared to how many mouths you have? So what's the, what's the correlation there? What's the answer there? Use them. Use them accordingly. Be quick to hear and slow to speak. They could have jumped up and said, that's all lies. Wait a minute. Now we got six guys on his side. We got Jesus on his side. We're, we've been introduced to this was God doing all this. Let's wait. Let's hold out here. Let's listen to what's going on here. It's not what we thought. We thought we shouldn't go into people's houses and eat with them. Certain people. Do you believe that today? Are there certain people you don't think we ought to witness to? Certain people you don't think can be saved? <laughs> certain people you don't think we should associate with? Certain things we shouldn't do as a church? We've got to expand our horizons. We've got to kick the sides out of the box and say, you know, I built a box that I thought was the church and what it should be. Should be. But God kicks the sides out of our box. We don't like that, do we? What we should do is listen. We should hear. If somebody says, you know, I think God's leading us to do this. A new ministry. God wants us to do this. Man, it's way too much work. That's what I say. Are you willing to do the work? I'm willing to listen to your vision. If you got a plan, if God's given you something, let's, I'll listen to you. And then, if it agrees with what God says, let's do it. They heard what he said. Hear him out. So what the Bible says, they had no further objection. They dismissed the case. <laughs> they held their peace. Praise God. For people in the church... Yeah, they're critics. Yeah, they make accusations. They want to have a fight here. And Peter just tells them the truth, but they have ears to hear. And they say, if God says it, then we're okay with it. They praised God. When they heard what Peter said, they listened to him. They let it sink in and they said, well then praise God. When it sank in, they started praising God. I like how it says that. Let it sink in. Maybe you need to think about what the preacher said before you call him up on Sunday afternoon and say, okay, preacher, we got to have a meeting. That's what happened to me. One, uh, oh, it was probably uh, mid, no, late November, early December. My wife and I had been driving back from, a, from a, a ministry event where we were being built up in our faith as pastors and preachers. And we got this, well, I say we, my wife has all the great ideas and I take full credit for them. So we had this great idea to have a Super Bowl outreach. We're in a community that people, there are lots of people that like this. They're going to watch the Super Bowl. That's what we decided. We decided, who's going to watch the Super Bowl? There's This town's full of people that are going to watch the Super Bowl. Let's do this. Let's, uh, let's have the church be the place where everybody meets. We can have some food. Churches love to have food, don't they? You want to get a crowd, have food. Maybe for our business meeting tonight, we need to have some food. 
we'll be sure to have every member here. If you want to have food tonight, it's fine with me. Chocolate chip cookies, chocolate cake, what else? Just bring it all. That coconut cream pie, oh man, that, I would say was, I hate to say it was better than the chocolate pie. True be made for the ministers that came on Tuesday, ministers from all around, from Sedalia to Jeff City and uh, Iberia to Jamestown. Pastors were here. They fed them. It was, they were blown away, just like I was. It was awesome. So you want to bring coconut cream pie. It's not chocolate, but it's good. It was, um, uh, it was better than good. So there we were. We were brainstorming. We had this great idea. We said, let's have it at the church. Let's give, give away door prizes. You know, make it, make it worth people's while. Get them excited. Is the church a place of boring or is the church a place of life? That's why we call ourselves living faith. We're not dead faith. Praise God we didn't put on the sign dead faith, Russellville Assembly of God. There may have been a time where it was. There may be a time in your life where that's what you are, dead faith. But let's get rid of that. Let's get a new picture of what God wants the church to be. So here we are brainstorming. Let's make the church a place where people understand there's life, there's fun, there's... God is a God of joy. He gives us joy for our strength. That's what people need in that little depressed community we were in. We said, we'll give away a big screen TV. How are you going to, I don't care how we're going to do that. Let's just dream big and let God handle the details. So we did. So I got up there the Sunday morning and I preached my message. And I said, oh, by the way, my wife and I had a brainstorm. And we just thought we could have an outreach to our community. We're going to have, a, we're going to use our facility. It's a beautiful place for people to gather. It's large enough. We're going to have a, a party here. We'll, we'll call it a party. We'll have food. We'll give away door prizes. We'll even give away a big screen TV. We'll watch the Super Bowl on a big screen because people are going to watch the Super Bowl. Let's make it about God. At halftime, we'll give a gospel message. And then I dismiss the church. It's a Super Bowl Sunday. We're going to have an outreach. I made up my mind. I'm the pastor. I thought that was my privilege. Bring, bring. Preacher, this is so-and-so from the board. We need to have a meeting. We do? We need to have a meeting about what you said today. We're not going to have a Super Bowl party. All right, we'll have a meeting. I should have never agreed to that meeting. We laid it all out. They said... We can't have a TV in the church. We can't have the Super Bowl in the church. There's commercials on that Super Bowl. We can't have another TV. We can't have the Super Bowl. It's Sunday. That's the Lord's Day. Three arguments. I said, well, okay. I understand. I hear what you're saying. You're worried that uh, we're not... They said, we were not going to have church. We're going to have those evil commercials. And that was the year there was a bad commercial. Uh, or an evil halftime. That was the, uh, what was the first thing I said? The, the first problem. Yeah, it was Sunday. We were going to cancel church. There would be those evil commercials. And then there was that halftime show. It was the halftime show that was the problem. I said, those are the three things you're worried about. Okay, first of all, nobody said we're going to cancel church. We're going to have church. We're just going to do both. Can we do both? Are we multi... No, those people weren't multi-talented. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? That's why I'm here, not there. Because <laughs> they couldn't see outside of their little box they built, and God was trying to kick the sides out of their box. I said, well, we're not going to cancel church, so strike one. One of your... One of your concerns is satisfied. They called me on the carpet, and I gave my defense. They said, what about those evil commercials? Well, we have a way of dubbing out the commercials. It's a miracle. It's called a VCR. It's called a little button, and it works. Every time, Michael is the genius that can do it. It's not rocket science. If Mike can do it, even I can do it. I know that that's not criticism. 
but he he doesn't mind criticism. So there's strike two. I've laying out my defense. Then there's that halftime show. Oh boy, how many of you saints, holy ones of God, watch? I know you would not watch the halftime show. And so we laid it out there. We said, well, we've got a gospel message. There's a video with people like Reggie White, the minister of defense, a great Christian man on the Green Bay Packers. He set out to praise God and preach the... He's a pastor. He's going to give a halftime message. Joe Gibbs, the coach of the, of the uh, Redskins, he's a, he's a man of God. He's a believer. Joe Gibbs Racing has Christ at the foundation of it. That's why they do so good. Who won last night? Just saying. So that so that's strike three. So so we said all of our all of our complaints are satisfied, right? I was confident. I gave my defense. They criticized me. I gave my defense. So this thing's taken care of, right? No, they didn't have ears to hear. So we laid it out. I tried one more time. I said, okay, let's look at this. There's seven guys in the room, eight counting me. I said, okay, well, let's go around the room. Are you going to watch the Super Bowl? Are you going to watch the Super Bowl? Are you going to be in church on Sunday or are you going to be watching the Super Bowl? We went around the room. Two of us, me included, said, yeah, I'm going to be here at church. I'm coming to Sunday night church whether they uh, have a Super Bowl party or not. I'm not watching the Super Bowl. I'm coming to church. So six out of eight said, I'm not coming to church anyway. But I got a problem if you have the Super Bowl and you cancel church. How dare you? So then I did the next dumb thing. I was young. Hopefully I'm getting smarter. We took a vote. I said, this can't go wrong. This, I've given a great defense. The truth is on my side. You all admitted. They voted me down, buddy. And that was the day we, we just shook our heads and said, either we're going to change if they're not going to change, we got to go. We, let's just go, because these people don't have a heart for God. Well, they didn't. The doors aren't closed on that church. There's some good people in it. God's carrying on. Uh, maybe he's dragging them, kicking and screaming. The verdict is for good people, for the church that has ears to hear, they have no further objections. They listen. They say, what does God want here? Then they praise God. There is criticism in the church in the book of Acts. But I want you to turn the page and see the good news. There's good news at the end of Peter's story. His defense was taken and they had no further objections. That's how the church ought to operate. We ought to operate with common sense. If Peter spoke the truth, then let's just leave it at that. Let's understand that if God told him to do it, who are we to object to God? So then, we see in verses 19 through 21, from the message paraphrase, it says, Those who had been scattered by the persecution, this is the next paragraph. Luke is laying out the story about Peter, and now he turns the page to a, to a thought that we've been left with several chapters ago. Those who had been scattered by the persecution triggered by Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. But they were still only speaking and dealing with their fellow Jews. Then some men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who had come to Antioch, started talking to Greeks, giving them the message of the Master Jesus. God was pleased with what they were doing and put his stamp of approval on it. Quite a number of the Greeks, Luke says, believed and turned to the Master. This is what I call witnessing 201. When Philip went up to the Ethiopian in Acts chapter uh, 8, I believe it was, I call that witnessing 101. Just get, in the, just get in there and have a conversation. Witnessing 101. Now this is witnessing 201. If you're in school or college, you understand there's a progression. You can't take 201 until you take 101. There's an introduction, and that's what Philip had, an introduction to witnessing. Just tell the story of Jesus. Just start with right where you are and tell the story of Jesus. Now here is some believers. They, they're part of the church that's scattered that Luke told us about in Acts chapter 8. 
And now we're picking back up where Luke left off. So here these believers are scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen. They went as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. They went about 50 to 80 miles north. And they've gone out of the jurisdiction of Israel into Greek land. Now there's a lot of Jews scattered up there. but So they, they give the message to the Jews only. They're of these circumcised who say we can't eat with those people. How dare we bring a reproach on the church, on our good name. But some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Oh boy, what's going to happen here? They spoke to Greeks. They told the good news about the Lord Jesus. Guess what? The Lord's hand was with them. If the church's hand wasn't with them, God's hand was. Which would you rather have? So what happens when you have witnessing, when you take it to the next level? A great number believe and turn to the Lord. Let's take the next step of faith. Let's get out of beginner uh, Christianity and go on to the next step. Are you ready for that? Some of you are baby Christians. Learn the basics. That's where you're at. You're in the introduction part. But there's going to be a time where you're going to catch up. You're going to catch up with the older believers and you're going to move on. Let's take it to the next level. Let's think outside of our little Christian box. And let's say, God could reach other people. People not like me. People that are different. People that I've never thought of. People that nobody else is thinking about. I'm going to do this. I believe God's telling me to do something nobody else has done. Here's my encouragement to you. Find a need and fill it. Work where no one else is working. You know, you want to do something in the church? Find a need and fill it. There's a lot of ministry that needs to be done. But there's only a few people doing the great bulk of the ministry. So how do we, how do we fix that problem? Find a need and fill it. If you're bored at church, find something to do. Find something constructive to do, not criticism. We don't need any more of that. We don't need any, We got enough of that. That's going to come naturally. Let's find a need and fill. You'll be criticized for it, but don't worry about it. Put your defense in God's hand. Just tell it like it is. Tell them how God's told you. Let's find a need and fill it. What's the need? What's the need? Pinpoint it. And if God speaks to you, don't come and tell me I need to do it. Don't go and tell Michelle she needs to do it. If God's speaking to you, then you do it. God's calling you out of your box. God's kicking the sides out of your box so you'll move out. You'll get past the basics. You'll get past 101 and you'll get into 201 and 301 and, and uh, graduate studies. That's where God wants you. He wants you to have a doctorate in Christianity. He wants you to move up to the stature of Jesus Christ. That's way up there. But guess what? You can make it. He's helping you. You can do it. Let's move out of our comfort zone. Find a need and fill it. If you're bored at church, find a need and fill it. Work. Here's, a, here's, another, here's another encouragement. Work where no one else is working. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. If somebody else is doing an Easter egg hunt, are a ministry for our kids, then let's join them. Let's don't compete against them. I think we can do it better, but that's just me. But let's don't reinvent the wheel. They're doing it. Let's help them. Let's go where other people aren't. If nobody's doing it, then let's do it. That's what we ought to be doing. That's where we're going to see satisfaction. That's where we're going to see God's stamp of approval. That's where we're going to see this kind of harvest of the field. A great number believed and turned to the Lord. Find a need and fill it. Work where no one else is working. Do something nobody else is doing. Then when they criticize you, you can just say, hey look, you weren't doing it, so get out of my way. Lead, follow, or get out of the way. That's free advice. Witnessing 201. Now let's look at real Christians. This is what we're going to see. In Acts chapter 11, Luke tells us this is where we find real Christians what to look for, uh, what they look like, what they feel, what those, new, what those real Christians say, and what characterizes them. Verses 22 
through 24. When the church in Jerusalem got wind of this, that is these disciples going out and talking to the Greeks too, and a number of them getting saved. When the church in Jerusalem got wind of this, see we see the church in the book of Acts right here. The church got wind of this, they sent Barnabas to Antioch to check on things. As soon as he arrived, he saw that God was behind and in it all. He threw himself in with them, got behind them, urging them to stay with it the rest of their lives. He was a good man that way, enthusiastic and confident in the Holy Spirit's ways. The community grew large and strong in the Master. This is the plan for God's church. The church saw what was happening and they sent a representative. They sent none other than Barnabas. And what he looked for, for real Christianity, he wanted to say, is this of God or not? And he saw the grace of God. He saw the grace of God on them. He saw what they felt. They felt gladness. There's a sign of God. If you're in a church where there's all a bunch of molly grub and moaning and groaning going on, you're not in the right church. God's stamp of approval is on those that he gives gladness to. The joy of the Lord is what? My strength. That's what he wants for the church. Joy abounding. I want more kids. I want them laughing. I want them crying. I want us to have to take care of them because they're the ones that Jesus said, let them come to me. Suffer, he said in the King James. And some of you are going to have to suffer a little bit because you don't like kids. That's your problem. Jesus loves the little children, we sang. And we're going to have kids because God loves them. And God will reach them. And they will be the ones to, to, to pass us by and say, Come on, old people, keep up. Jesus is going this way. Let's go. Let's do something new. Let's put, put a hymn to some good music. I liked it. Let's move out of the way of our old ways. Let's kick the sides out of the box and say, let's have what God wants. Let's see the signs of grace, the gladness that's there. Barnabas encouraged them. Imagine that. Barnabas is a Hebrew word that means son of Barnabas. Abbas means encourager. He's the son of Bar. Anabas. He's the one who encourages. That's his nickname. His name is Joseph. But they call him Barnabas. They call him, ah, that's the old encourager. Come on over here, yeah, old encourager. You old encourager, you. They said, why don't you go up there to Antioch and see what's going on up there. If it's good, you put your stamp of approval on it. You, you tell us. Give them the encouragement they need. Barnabas can go up there and help them out. They could find no one better than a real representative of the church. This guy. That's the way I want to be. When they write my epitaph on my stone, I want it to be what they have on Barnabas's. What does Luke say? Verse 24. He was a good man. If that's all they can say about you, they've said enough. I know somebody like that. I know several people like that. Mary's dad... Bud Benskin, my father-in-law. He's more than a dad to me. Because I lost my dad when I was just a boy, six or seven years old. And Bud hasn't said, I'll be your dad. No, he just is a good man. He's a good man. I don't know anybody that can say anything bad about Bud Benskin. I think we'll etch it on his tombstone when the day comes. He was a good man. Enough said. That's what they said about Barnabas. Luke is writing a history and he says, man, when I think of Barnabas, the only thing I can say is, that guy was a good man. Man, he was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He's an encourager. He's a good man. We need more men. We need what characterizes real Christians in this church. We need people who are known to be good people. What this world is looking for is authentic Christians. They're watching your life at work. They're watching your life in the neighborhood. They're watching your life at the school. They're saying, yeah, I know what they say. They say they're Christians. They go over there to that church. They're there all the time, and I just, I'm watching. We'll see if they stumble and fall. We'll see how, how faithful they really are. 
Yeah, we're setting an example here. People are watching us. Every little thing we do, they're watching. And we want them to be able to say nothing worse than, well, they're good people. <laughs> they are good people. That's one thing you can say about them. They encourage people all the time. They're just good people. If that's what they're going to say about us, then that's great. That's what we want. Authentic Christian people are people full of the Holy Spirit. That's what characterizes real Christianity. That's what Barnabas saw when he got there. Luke points it out in his own life. It was brought out in the church that was in Antioch because it was brought out in the man who went there to encourage them, to check on what they were doing. God desires that we get to this point of Christian excellence where what characterizes us is what characterized Barnabas. He was good. He was an encourager and he was full of the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to have a little bit of the Spirit. I want you to be full of the Spirit. Are you with me? Let's get full of it. So what are the results? The last two verses and then we'll close. Verses 25 and 26. Then Barnabas went on to Troas to look for Saul. He found him and brought him back to Antioch. They were there a whole year meeting with the church and teaching a lot of people. It was in Antioch that the disciples or the church were first for the first time called Christians. This is where our name comes from. The church in Antioch. They looked so much like Christ. People started saying, those are just little Jesus people, aren't they? They're Christ people. They're like Jesus. They're like Christ. Christian means Christ-like. That's where they nicknamed them Christ-like. They're people that are all like Christ. That's, all, that's, how you can, that's what you can say about them. They're Christ-like. They're Christians. First time they're being called this at Antioch, and it's stuck. Barnabas sees a great harvest. He sees a great ministry in Antioch, and he can think of no one else because he's an encourager. He says he doesn't want all the glory. He doesn't say, step aside, folks, I'll handle this. He says, man, this is a great work. You know who would be great here? Not me. No, I'm saying Paul. Remember Saul of Tarsus? That guy got saved. People didn't believe him, but I believe in him. I believe God did a work in him. Where's he at? Oh, that's right. They tried to kill him. He came to Jerusalem and they drove him out because they just couldn't handle what God was doing in Saul's life. He lives in Tarsus, doesn't he? Saul of Tarsus, that's him. I'll, I'll go up there and find him. So he travels uh, a ways farther, about 50 more miles, and he finds Saul and he says, you got to help me. You're my buddy. Let's be partners on this. You and me, Barnabas and Saul, let's go back and we can work on this. You are growing in God. I can see it in you. That's Barnabas. He's an encourager. He just pumps people up. He says, Paul, you can do it, man. You're the guy. I know God's spoken to me. God sent me up here. I believe this is the work that God's... Remember what God said through Ananias, the man who prayed for you? God's going to show you the work that he wants you to do. And how much you're going to suffer for him. Don't worry about the suffering. Come with me and let's work together. I'll be, your, I'll be your right hand man, okay? Barnabas and Saul. So they go back. Stay for a year and they're teaching people. Dedicating. Put your feet down on the ground. Put some roots down. And stick with people and grow. That's a great message for the church. Don't be jumping from here to there to the other. Get in to the church and be faithful. Be there on time. Be there early. Be, be ready to volunteer. Be ready to grow. That's what Paul's doing. He, he says, I'm coming back with you, Barnabas. And from this point on, we see Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. That's going to change in a little while. But Barnabas is the encourager. Here's what the church needs to grow. The Barnas, Barnabases, I know that's not a real word, but we're going to make it one. The Barnabases need to seek out the Sauls. You're a believer. You're, you've been in the church for a long time. We're not going to say too long. But by the way you're acting, you need, you need to be in the church for a long time and you need to seek out the Sauls. You're growing in Christ. You're a believer. You've been there for a while. Find those people that need help. Be a Barnabas. To the young believers, they need a Barnabas. And if this church is going to grow, we've got to find the Sauls. The new believers, those ones that are, have passion and fire, but 
It needs to be channeled. They need to be taught the way that God works decently and in order. God's passionate, yes, but it's a, it's a power under control. It's meekness. And so they need a Barnabas. The Barnabases, that's you, need to seek out the Sauls, find a Saul. Maybe they don't even go to this church. Maybe they're just a believer at work. Maybe they're somebody in your neighborhood. Maybe they're somebody that you know that needs a, an older believer to come alongside of them and encourage them. For the church to grow, the Barnabases need to seek out the Sauls. Where did Barnabas find Saul? The second thing for the church to grow is the Sauls need to prefer to begin their ministry by waiting and preparing. You're not ready to jump right in. It's a, it's a little more than we thought it was, isn't it, Anthony? Jumping right in. I know God's told me to do it, so I jump right in. Woo! I'm over my head. Lord, help me. And now I'm backing up, backing up, backing up. Don't, don't back up too far. Just know this. For the church to grow, you need to prefer to begin by waiting, by preparing. Be patient. Yes, God's told you to do something. Maybe He's telling you to do something that you need to start right now, patiently preparing for it. We're not putting it off. No, I'm not going to let you do that. Anthony squirms and wiggles a lot, but I'm not letting him off. God's told him to do something, and we're going to be patient, and we're going to encourage preparation. You need to prepare. You need to start studying to show yourself approved of God. If God's called you, His calling is without repentance. He's not taking His word back. He's not changing His mind about what He's told you to do. God always gets His man. So you might as well just give in and do what Paul did. He tried to get on, he was on fire and he tried to give it and people brushed him aside. He said, look, I'm just going back. I went, he went to the desert, Arabia, and he spent three years there. Now he's in Antioch. He's been there for a while. After the disciples talked to him and he was ran out of town, he went back to his hometown. And he just stayed there, hungering for God, growing in God, patient. And then Barnabas found him and said, Paul, it's time. Come on, buddy. Let's don't hide about We're not hiding here. Let's go. Let's get to the work. Put the pedal to the metal. What the church needs, if it's going to grow, is the Barnabases to seek the Saul's. The Saul's to prefer to begin by waiting and preparing. Then don't refuse to go into this timely work. Don't sit back and say, no, 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 not, I'm not ready. No, not time. Uh, I need a little more. No, I'm, I'm not ready. That's tempting, isn't it? That's why God gives us deadlines. I work best with deadlines. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I'm a procrastinator. I like putting my sermon off. I don't put it down on the uh, computer there till Saturday night. And sometimes the midnight oil is burning. <laughs> don't feel sorry for me if I'm tired on Saturday, on Sunday. I put it off. It's time to go to the timely work. Go into it. If God says it's time, then let's jump right on in. We can say, oh no, we're not ready. The pews aren't padded right. The carpet's not fresh enough. The building's not finished. So what? God says go. Do it. Let him worry about the details. You just handle your end of it. And he'll handle his. What happens is this church starts growing. There's productive. The great number believe and turn to the Lord. Here's a church that uh, has spirit-filled business meetings. This ain't commonplace. This isn't just doing business our way. This is God's way. This is a church with all of its failures and flaws. But this is a church that refuses to stop growing. Let's, let's refuse to stop growing. Let's say... Forward, that's where we're going, not backward. We love our history. we got a great foundation. Now let's do something with the foundation. Let's build on it. It's a strong foundation. This thing can handle a lot more than we're giving it. There's a lot more horsepower built into this thing than we're putting into it. We've got there's a restrictor plate on it. Let's get rid of that. Let's get in and draft with Jesus. You need a little NASCAR uh, illustrations to help you out, don't you? They help us out. God's, God's a big block. 
with lots of horsepower, supercharged. If you're spirit-filled, you got supercharged. Turbo, fuel-injected. Nitrous oxide is on your side. We've got the power. That's what we sing. We've got the power, but we made it into a funeral dirge. We've got the power in the name of Jesus. Went too low, didn't I? That's why I don't sing. We've got the power. Let's use it. Let's refuse to stop growing. God wants to do something. Are these the last days, Brother Dave? There's a man that's been looking into prophecy for a long, long, long time, and there's no doubt. We're living in the last days. Election time's coming, and it's just spelling it all out for us. It's not going to get much better. The end is near. The world's going to burn, but we're going to do the work of God until he comes. It's time. The harvest is ready, and we're just going to sit at the table and go, man, that wheat looks good. Well, wish somebody get out there and do something with it. I hate to see that rod on the vine. That's what we're doing. Let's get to the work. Let's see the church the way God wants it to. Let's get over our criticisms. Let's be identified as the Christians like they were in Antioch. The church that birthed the name that we get. Antioch. They're believers who are fired up and doing what God tells them to do. Father, you anoint your people to go out and do your work. You show us what we should do and we'll be quick to say, what do you want me to do? Do you need me to prepare for this? What do I need? And I'll do it, God. Help me to find the right time to go and to see what you're going to do. God, for these last days, raise up people like Barnabas. Good people. People that nothing bad can be said about. The worst we can say is, wow, they're always encouraging people. They're Christians. That's the worst they can say. Lord, call good people into the work that will bring glory and honor to your name. Oh, God, teach us to get out of our box. Teach us, Lord, to see the world the way you do us, lost, dying, and without Christ. Teach us, Lord, to have compassion, to be filled with compassion, to be quick to hear and slow to criticize. God, teach us to go. Be Christians, proclaiming the word like you did, Jesus. Seeking and saving the lost was your mission. It's ours as well to go into all the world and proclaim the good news. Raise up for yourself in these last days all these people, God. Not one of them left out something that they can do for your namesake. Show them clearly what they're to do and then bless them. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Would you stand with me? I, I have no doubt that God's speaking to many people in this church, people that I can't identify, would never guess that God's talking to you about something that you need to be doing. A vision of the lost, a harvest field that nobody's touching. But you, you've seen a vision of it. You know what it is. You got an inkling of what you should do about it. Well, come and tell me about it. I'm Barnabas. <laughs> I'll put my arms beside you and say, Look, I'll help you. Well, let's do it. It's you and me. We'll do it. We'll go for it. God's harvest is ready. These are the days that he said, many will come and believe. Now's the time. We're, we won't see them. They won't be filled and in this church they won't come to church they won't be saved they won't be brought into the kingdom until we say yes God I'll go yes God I'll be faithful yes God I'll be like Barnabas I'll be good I'll watch what I say and what I do so people can't have anything bad to say about me God's looking for you if God's speaking to you close your eyes right where you are church pray for this church to be what God wants it to be. Lord, we're in your hands. We are your church. You're the head of this church. You're the one that controls it. You're the one that guides it. You're the one who gives us the ideas. They come from the head. Lord, teach us to wait on you. Teach us to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, begin to call out your people. Show them clearly what they are to do. And God, give us a church that generously provides opportunities 
for ministry to happen. For your namesake, God. If God's dealing with you, these altars are open. If you haven't come to Christ and joined the church, it's about that order. You come to Christ. And then get get to be a part of a good church. This is a good church. You're here today and you're not saved. Maybe you've drifted away from God. You're not where you should be. Come to this altar. Kneel down there and get things right with God. God loves you. He saves He saves people. You. You're His child. He loves you. If you're here today and God's dealing with you and you need to stay around for a while and prepare and wait on God, this altar's open. You stay here as long as it takes for you to hear from God and what He wants to say. God bless you.